Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. And we're here with one of our guest hosts, uh, Brian Lau, and we thought we'd have a conversation on the future of work. So, Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Lukey. How are you? Sounds good. So uh, you, you do a lot of work on the future of work in, in kind of what you do day to day. So I thought you'd be a great person to have a conversation. And we want to kind of start a little bit with having a discussion on like, what did you think about work uh, growing up? So so when you were a kid growing up, like, when did it kind of hurt, uh, kind of sink in that you actually had to do this thing called work? <laughs> Pretty early on, I guess. Um, uh, my parents uh, always had kind of mentioned the whole uh, idea of needing to go to school, study hard so that you can get a job. And there's this mysterious thing uh, growing up saying this job, you needed to work. I didn't really know what it was. I knew my dad disappeared, you know, for eight hours of the day and came back. Um, but, you know, for the longest time, the idea that I had always thought was, you know, you go to school, you study, you get a job, you work, you know, for couple of decades and then and then you, you retire and that was my view for the longest time <laughs> it sounds good and then how did that uh reality or that view turn into a reality so what was kind of like the first foray into that that job world and how did that kind of meet or not meet expectations yeah i mean i was i got a, my first taste of got i guess employment um more or less kind of uh, a part-time job um as a sw- swimming instructor and a lifeguard in in high school and so that was kind of like okay this is this is different from the work that i thought you know everyone else drives off to go and do their thing but you know earning a (laughs) paycheck and knowing that you can there's a lot of things that you can do to earn money and a lot of uh, effort required to do that uh, especially in your first job um started making me think about that there's like a lot of things out there um and then you know that kind of drives where your interest and like what might you want to do to get paid and so that's when i started thinking about like okay there's there seems to be a vast world world of what work really is and that's and that's why we keep getting told to go to school <laughs> for sure and, and obviously the, uh most parents don't necessarily want their kids to go to school to become a swim instructor <laughs> but <laughs> but there are definitely jobs and, and work experience that we have all along the way so uh maybe uh some some stories or or some some thoughts in terms of like how uh, a job as like a swim instructor kind of helped you in in future roles uh in 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 the workforce yeah, I, I didn't know it at the time, um, but some of the training that you take as an instructor in terms of leading a class, um, working under pressure, uh, leadership uh, experience that you get uh, in terms of planning uh, a lesson, not dissimilar to kind of full-blown uh, teaching in, in school, um, those are a lot of transferable skills that you were developing at the time, uh, which I found, didn't realize until later on when I was in, in school, uh, in university, where I was like, oh, these are, you know, I would keep referring back to, well, this is how I used to do it when I was teaching or, or if I was under a high pressure situation at the pool. Um, so it, it helped kind of uh, already give you some direction or, or experience that you can kind of build off of when making decisions. Sounds good. And, and, and a couple of kind of basic things is even managing your time to, to show up <laughs> when you're supposed yeah. to, because it's a little bit different when you're at school. Cause like if you're late, you're late, it, it doesn't really matter. Right. And, and some of the uh, profs don't even know you're in class, but right. I mean, if you're not there and you have four students, 10 students, whatever, they, they notice. <laughs> right? That's a big difference. So being able to, yeah. 
to to get there on time, get there early uh, is is definitely something uh, that's helpful. So so that's kind of like uh, your your first kind of job experience. What what about kind of like the traditional professional job? So that that mm -hmm. one that you wanted, um, maybe it's after graduation or like co-op internships, that sort of thing. What was kind of that first uh, job experience? Yeah, so I was fortunate to go through the co-op program, which which you know you and I went to UTSC. You know, you were able to have that option to do internships while in school, and so I. Um, those are kind of that's my first kind of foray into the corporate world, if, if you want to call it um, your right. student tie job at, at, at the time. Um, and I think the as everyone else normally is, and I was for my first swim job, I was very nervous kind of going into my first job um, <laughs> because I really didn't know what to expect. You, you study certain things, you hear about certain things, but it's not until you actually arrive, you meet your new boss, you meet your new team, and then realize, okay, I'm gonna have to actually do things <laughs> here um, that I may not have done before. Um, and so that was kind of like a, an eye-opening experience in terms of um, trying to figure out like, what am I actually supposed to do here? But you know, the key to really succeeding, I found, was being able to kind of ask the right questions at the beginning, ask lots of questions, um, not making assumptions, and just trying to like, the more you kind of ask everyone around you, because they've been there longer than you, you start to build this context around, here's the, here's the environment you're working in, these are the people you work with, and that was, I found, super helpful um, in terms of starting to get more comfortable around my day-to-day my -day and the team that I work around and the work that I've been doing for them. For sure. Yeah, my, my co-op experience actually started in, in high school and I was lucky enough oh, that we actually had a high school co-op yeah. and, and I was got a job as like a, a network administrator. And, and what kind of annoyed me is that uh, there were other um, uh, interns or, or co-ops there, but because they were university level, right, and, uh, they were actually doing the exact same work and they were getting paid more than I was because I was part of the <laughs> high school tier and, and they were in the, the, the university tier. But There's a I, I did here. Well, I mean, it's different program funding sources yeah. and stuff like that. So I kind of get it. But yeah, it, it didn't mean that it was less annoying. But I, I did find like because I was a little bit younger, I was getting that experience. And I think that experience is super important um, yeah. in order to be able to say to have and then hopefully use that to build on to get your next and next and next experience. But I mean, a, a lot of the things that, that I was doing is kind of like um, network administrator. I was uh, unpacking computers and plugging them in <laughs> and, and, and things like that. Right. So it was a little bit more kind of labor intensive than the traditional kind of tech job and in my first co-op in university uh we, we were on again the, the networking side but we would have to uh basically archive backup tapes and and in what that actually yeah. meant is i would actually have to go to the physical server grab like they used to use these actual tapes in there and oh I yeah have to take yeah. them and put them <laughs> off site because if something happened you didn't want like the 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 server to burn and all the backups to burn at the same time you want it to be elsewhere right so i clocked a good i don't know like ten thousand steps easy <laughs> every single <laughs> who would have thought you're getting yeah you're getting exercise on on a job <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so that was kind of my first uh, foray or first few forays into it. So it was a little bit different than the expectation where it was more kind of the, the physical labor than the technical. But then it started obviously moving um, in, mm -hmm. in a different route. But um, so what what were your thoughts in terms of like kind of advancing in your career path? So you started co-op and then you got more responsibilities as you got a full-time job. And then you're supposed to climb the corporate ladder and yeah. go up and, and, and things like that. What were your thoughts and experience around that? Yeah, so and similar to kind of getting that first job, uh, being told that you need to climb the corporate ladder is this thing you hear, but like in terms of how to do it, no idea. <laughs> and, and that was the whole thing around like, I, you know, my assumption when I got to the job, I was like, I guess I just keep 
doing my job and doing it okay and i'll eventually just keep rising and so like learning like what performance management is and like kind of having a, a career plan and talking through that is something that was kind of new to me after kind of starting through my roles and mm -hmm. that was the kind of first um uh, first exposure into like how to start advancing. I started realizing there's so many different career paths. So mm -hmm. like, like yourself and me working at a large firm with that we worked at, um, there's a lot of people doing different things. And mm -hmm. it was kind of the more projects I worked on, the more people I work with, the more interested I got in terms of saying, oh, there's, uh, tell me, I would ask those questions. And I would say, tell me about your career path. And I would hear about these really unique um, career path that some people took to, to do really neat jobs. Mm -hmm. And the more I would ask, I would say, well, how did you get there? What did you do? And then I would sometimes even just sometimes compare like um, education backgrounds. I was like, can I do that? Like, do I have the right uh, educational background? And I would find right. that some people even had completely unrelated degrees to what they were doing. And it was more of their journey. And so that was a really, that was a very useful for me to even start thinking about what the art of the possible was in terms of how to advance. Cause I, I, I prior to that, I would have just assumed I just keep doing my same job until my boss says you've been promoted. <laughs> right. And what I took from that is, I mean, growing up, we have kind of the traditional quote unquote uh, paths where like doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer, kind of the, mm -hmm. the mainstream stuff that, that everybody kind of aspires to be. But there's so many other different areas where it could be th things like management consulting, project management, like like AP supply chain, accounts payable, mm -hmm. uh, receivable. And there's so many different things that you never heard of. Uh, and, and to even have that curiosity to explore and say, hey, what do you do? They're on the same floor, they're, they're in, in the same yeah. department, they whatever, and, and having those conversations, oh, that sounds interesting, that sounds like something that, that I could do. So it's not just a matter of doing your job, doing it well, doing it maybe a little better than, than last year, but it's also exploring, like, what is that, uh, as you said, the, the art of the possible for me to get into? Because I know for me, I was in, in, in technology, in, 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 um, in computer science, and I was mm -hmm. supposed to become a coder, right? So, and, and I yeah. did. I started and I got my first job as, as a coder, but it, the, the quote-unquote coding company I joined, was it was an accounting company. I was like, okay, I'm going to be coding <laughs> for an accounting company. I didn't really know about this whole consulting right. thing. Right. And then it's like, oh, this is different. This is uh, uh, something that, that I might actually want to get into. And then the curiosity, uh, I kind of lucked out on that side, and I was able to do a lot more things. So I would encourage folks that, that are out there to, to explore their own areas because you probably have a lot more opportunities than, than you think even in your company or tangential areas and, and, and all those uh, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. No, totally. I, I, you're talking about kind of like, you know, what what was I kind of expecting kind of going in and, and you know, what what's the actual experience, especially earlier on when I was starting out. Um, you mentioned, you know, starting off in consulting and I, I learned about it kind of through school. And then as I got into the firm, I was I got to work with people who were in the field and I was asking questions again, following the career path. And then, you know, I saw oh, that was very interesting. And I thought I'd love to be kind of doing that as well. And so I thought you, you kind of get in there, you start uh, advising executives left, right and center uh, <laughs> and being able to kind of tell them all these things to do when the reality is you're you're kind of aligning PowerPoint boxes left, right and center um, <laughs> a lot of the time. And, and it was kind of really interesting to kind of go and you, you, there's a lot of kind of background work that goes into, um, you know, the big presentations that happen that we advise our clients and learning that, you know, there's a lot of different members on the team that do different things, whether it's the data analysis or whether it's kind of putting together the storyboard and it's that, like, learning what a project is, right? And so all these kinds of things over time was kind of learning, oh, 
projects can be different. The things we do can be different. The people you work with can be different. The expectations can be different. <laughs> yeah, and what I took from that is is kind of that quote, uh, every expert was once an amateur in the sense that yeah. oftentimes you see people kind of at the, the pinnacle of their career, they're, they're rarely established, they're really good at what they do. Uh, but when you actually start in that role, you have to kind of start in the ground floor, like you said, aligning PowerPoint boxes or, or data entry <laughs> or something like that. Because right. in order for you to, to learn all that good stuff or be able to advise or provide recommendations or whatever, you actually have to have gone through it a, a couple of times. Mm -hmm. so, so just be aware mm -hmm. that that uh, oftentimes that, that vision of what you want to do can be a little bit different than, than what it is. But it's, it's often the learning that, that you need to go through in order to, to get to where you want to be. Um, so so yeah. I think that that's just something to, to be of note. And then I, I'd love for you to, to touch a little bit on uh, kind of taking a break, right? Uh, so in your career, you decided, well, maybe it's not considered a break, <laughs> but you decided to, to go back to school, right? That's who you and, ask, uh, yeah. Yeah, some, some people, I, I know there's a, a growing trend on people taking like sabbaticals and leaves of absences, right? Go, go off it and find themselves, right? Some people are doing it right after school where they're taking like gap years, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Before they get into the workforce. And it seems to be coming uh, more and more common where uh, they have to figure out like, is this really what I want to do? And, and maybe to, to recharge or reset or whatever, uh, sometimes it's going back to school. Sometimes it's just to kind of elevate yourself or maybe it's to, to switch into something different. But uh, can you talk a little bit about kind of your experience and your decisioning in terms of uh, go going down that route? Yeah, you know, growing up definitely had not heard much about taking a break. Obviously, as I mentioned earlier on, <laughs> it was more of a go to school, get a job, work then retire, right? And so there's right. no mention of taking a break at any point in time, maybe aside from your couple of weeks of vacation you get a year. Um, so the gap year for one is, I didn't even know what one was until I was towards the later part of my university. And I, and I actually had met um, some people when I was backpacking Europe who were taking a gap year. I was, I was just, you know, between uh, going back to school, I was just kind of killing time over the summer, but I had met people who were taking a year off. And it was interesting, they're, they're, um, they were telling me that it was normal, quite normal in Europe to be doing that. Mm -hmm. And I, when I asked why, because I was like, you're just delaying your career by a year. <laughs> a lot of them were saying like, it's to, to uh, explore, try to be independent, you know, learn some life skills, travel, get mm -hmm. some perspective. And I, and I thought to myself, well, that makes a lot of sense. And so I kept that in mind as I was kind of kind of advancing my career because that, that was an interesting way to look at things instead of if you're only doing the same thing over and over again or in the same company or whatnot, doing the same role, you may not always be able to kind of think outside the box um, with other perspectives that if, if you're able to kind of do it from different um, different opportunities that you have, which may be similar. So that's something I kept in mind that eventually as I was working through the firm, um, and kind of working through my professional career, I, we had the op I had the opportunity, I was fortunate to be selected to be able to go back to school if I wanted to, because it's a common path that a lot of consultants take after working several years, they can apply for sponsorship and they'll be able to kind of leave for, you know, kind of graduate school and do their MBA and come back. And actually I, for the longest time, delayed it because I actually thought maybe I don't need it. Maybe I can continue, like the career path, um, through my career coaches and people I was talking to, I was learning that you could still get to where you wanted to go without going in. So it became more of a choice to do it as opposed to something that, hey, you should do this in order to continue on in your career. Um, and so I actually deferred um, 
going back to school for probably several years because I was maybe on a really cool project and I didn't want to end yet. I wanted to keep doing, see where it went. And so I did that, but eventually I kind of took a step back at one point and decided, you know, it's always something that I've been interested in returning to school and started thinking about like, what else would I want to learn if I did go back to school? And part of getting these new perspectives, part of getting this credential um, to be able to kind of accelerate my career was the reason. So it was a, it was a voluntary choice that I took eventually, and I'm fortunate to have it. Um, but that was one of my reasons to, to go and take that break. And, and was there like a, a specific decision point there? Or is it more just pile on, pile on, yet another reason, yet another reason, yet and then eventually it's like, okay, fine, let, let me go do it. It was kind of like that. Because, okay. you know, the, the don't go to school, back to school, you don't need it was winning for the longest time. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that decision was kind of weighed heavily. And I, you know, I really didn't feel that I needed it to kind of continue. I was learning really neat, interesting things on the job. Um, and I almost, I almost felt for, I would be missing out. <laughs> it's weirdly thinking <laughs> if I went back to school, maybe my peers who didn't would be going, going uh, further on faster than me or something like that or getting on other projects. But I also was thinking about like, trying to think about like what else could it, could an MBA do or graduate school or any school for that. I was not only looking at the MBA, I was looking at other master's, more specialty programs, but I was looking at other programs as well. And thinking through that and remembering that perspective that I learned from, you know, some of the folks that I met traveling, why they were doing it, I thought this might be a good opportunity for me to broaden my horizons. And so that's why I said, you know what, uh, this actually might be good for me from an, from an overall perspective. Right. And I think just to summarize the discussion for folks that are, that are listening and are in their career path, early in their career path, work doesn't have to be just the study, work, retire. <laughs> that <is> that. <laughs> there are a whole bunch yeah. of different variations and options. And, and we have the, the benefit of, of being in like a, a first world country and have access to all these. So we come from a place of privilege, but a lot of folks that, that are uh, can consider something like a gap year. And I, I think that is quite an interesting concept where it's almost like it's it's almost like adulting, <laughs> yeah, and and le- learning to be kind of a grown up. Where uh, like for those that uh, studied locally and uh, they commuted to work, where they're still living at home and things like that, well, they're missing out on experience versus having to to live on campus and and cooking for themselves and things like that. Uh, or if you had a meal plan, where you don't really mm-hmm. have to do that now. Backpacking, you might not necessarily do that either, but um, at least it's it's different sort of skills. And then. I know more and more folks are, are looking at kind of uh, sabbaticals and leaves and stuff of like that, whether it's for to take care of uh, someone who's like an aging parent or, or their mm-hmm. own health or mm-hmm. just to find themselves or to go back to school and, and reskill themselves. So it, it, oftentimes it is that personal choice and you're going to have to figure out and, and don't let necessarily the, the opinion of one person or a set of people uh, influence you too much. Do what, what, what's right for you in a, in a government circumstance. So I think it, it's great that we provide kind of those potential options for folks as they, as they get out there. Yeah, I think... I think one of those things is is we never really you can never really be sure around the answer. I certainly had my doubts <laughs> when I was going to go back. I was like, is this the right decision? You know, what if it doesn't? What if it's the wrong decision? What if it actually slows me down? You don't know. Um, you, we always are we always are trying to take our best educated guess. You know, that's why we talk to people. We try to do research, um, get a sense of what's there. But like the way I've always seen it, education's always been kind of I viewed it as a, as a tool, um, a very useful tool if you know what you're doing with with it, right? It's not mm-hmm. just piling on and collecting as many degrees as you as you can but like knowing what you can do with education the more is is generally better and it can unlock a lot of careers and opportunities that um 
can can kind of accelerate where you want to go. But at the same time, it's not criteria for success, which is why I think of it. I always try to think of it as a tool because like if you need it or you think you can use it, go for it. I think that's a good point. Thinking of it as, as a tool versus just a checkbox to, mm-hmm. in there, and and sometimes you, you just want it as a checkbox. Like I, I I always wanted three letters at the back of my name, so therefore <laughs> you take it. And and if that's the way you want to, just understand that that's the rationale versus versus something else. Um, I, I'd love if we we took some time to kind of delve into kind of trends and and changes in in the the, the future work because that's some of the stuff that you deal with. So mm-hmm. obviously COVID changed things quite significantly. Yeah, uh, remote absolutely. hybrid work in is is the new norm uh, and I am hearing things like like the gig economy where like the great resignation everyone has their side hustle and the startup that they're doing and things like that. Um and and then I'm actually seeing that there's uh, an increased interest in in like the trades where you can find like like plumbers and and uh, contractors that do construction and building they, they make a ton of money and and mm-hmm. uh, a lot more people are are trying to get into to things like that right so uh what what are some of the, the trends and, and thoughts that, that that you're seeing around and um up and coming or, or kind of already here yeah no i think you know it's it's safe to say that it, nearly everyone was affected by the, by the pandemic and a shift in work some for the better some for the worst um but Regardless, I think everyone can reflect to say that has forced us to think about how we're currently doing things and whether it's the right way to be doing things. And and if it's something that you were trying to think about before, if anything, your employer has been forced to think about it now because of the global scale of everything. And I think the good thing about that is it's kind of driven a lot of discussions. Some of them are difficult, but all around kind of the call about this future work, it means different things to different people. But the way I've been, we've been looking at it, uh, where I, when we're looking at on the product side is, you know, it's the way we work from the, the workplace where we're doing our work, the, the space at home or the space at the office is different now. The style we work, whether it's kind of hybrid, digital, using different tools is different now. And the workforce, the people we work with and how things are structured, all of those are different. So kind of those three areas, like those are kind of some key buckets of how we're looking at how all of this has been changing. And um, if you want to focus on it, you know, a lot of the trends that we're seeing now is employees are now able to demand more from how they work, the the customization, the personalization of like, hey, you know, going into the office, uh, commuting an hour and a half every day and sitting in a cubicle wasn't exactly my most productive way previously. (laughs) And, you know, it was forced upon us during the pandemic to do it another way. And, And for some people, not everyone, they found it more more productive and better and and healthier for in many in many ways as well and so it's driven a lot of discussions around how do we equip our employers and our valid uh, valuable kind of employees to, with the tools and technology and the processes and to enable everyone to do work in their best way possible while at the same time still making sure we're meeting all of our business objectives and accomplishing the things we mean to do but giving people more flexibility. And so that's a that's a really big thing that we're seeing a lot. And and I, I don't think we're quite there yet in terms of any one company or business cr- cracking the code and having the, the answer because it, it the very classic advisory consulting answer is it depends, right? It depends mm-hmm. on the company culture, what they're doing, the nature of the work they're doing. If you if you operate in manufacturing and have a factory floor, well, I don't really think you can have people working on laptops at home <laughs> trying right. to build things. So that's one, that's those are some some of the big trends that we're we're exploring and 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 looking into. For, for sure, and what I took from that is um, COVID allowed for some of those um, 
norms um, and un unwritten rules to be, to be challenged and tested to say mm -hmm. like, well, mm -hmm. do I actually have to come in for work? Like, can't I be mm -hmm. just as product productive at home, uh, virtually, or even in the same country in the same time zone for for some folks as yeah. well? And yeah. uh, it, whether the employers were willing to kind of take that to say, no, nah, we need you in the office, but but do you? <laughs> like, yeah. Am I being <laughs> I wasn't um, rewarded? <laughs> Yeah, am I being rewarded by by what I do and my output and what I accomplish, or by my attendance <laughs> and just That's taking right. up space in, in in a desk? And, and uh, <laughs> companies and and organizations are realizing, yeah, you know what, you actually don't have to sit here, but there are a lot of uh, roles where you still need to be there, right? And it would be better where you might be more productive or build better relationships. So it's it, it's a balance and, and each company will have to take uh, kind of their own culture, their own people in mind, and, and then ultimately try to deliver uh, value to their uh, customers and, as, as a result of that. So yeah. I think it's, it's a work in progress and, and things are ultimately evolving. Um, what, what about the, the other components? Oh. Yeah, no, I mean, just one quick note on that, even especially across in industries as well, right? Some industries like healthcare, for example, that's changed a lot over the last couple of years, but very different from how it would change yeah, from kind of your regular office worker, right? And so one of the things is, you know, telehealth is one shift. So while not everything can be um, virtual, but a lot more adoption of virtual technologies not being there. And so that could free up how things are done, you know, how often we need to go into medical facilities or hospitals. Um, but it's, it's, it varies by industry as well. And it's very fascinating. But the fact is, it, with, you mentioned with all these barriers removed now from physically always needing to be there, we can at least have these conversations around like, hey, what actually would make this better for everyone else? For sure. Yeah, I think uh, as we start to close off the, this conversation, uh, do you have any other kind of uh, tips and tricks or considerations that folks would have as they uh, kind of go into the, the, the workforce, either as kind of a recent grad trying to figure things out there? And then for those that are in the workforce and trying to plan out for like, what is it going to be like in, in 5, 10, 20 years? Um, any sort of uh, parting words on that side? Yeah, I think... I think it's um, keeping an open mind. Uh, we actually don't know, where, like I mentioned, don't know where we're going to be yet, what's going to change. And if you think about uh, some of the careers that people have now, they didn't exist 10, 20 years ago. And it could be possible yeah, as things happen, um, as we advance in this kind of very interesting point in time, moving forward for the next couple of years. So you know, social media influencer definitely wasn't a thing 20 years ago, whereas it's a very <laughs> yeah. popular thing now. We talk, you were mentioning kind of gig economy and side hustles. A lot of people have kind of used a lot of platforms that exist today to either supplement their income from, from doing things for fun. And sometimes they're so successful, they, they leave careers to do something else. And so that whole gig economy is driven by a lot of this stuff right now. And it, it could continue to evolve as we know. And I think traditional careers uh, that we have maybe learned about in school can evolve or be impacted by that as well. Um, and you mentioned as well, like around the trades, there's a lot of interest around the trades as well. I think the watch here is really around how technology and this whole shift around with all these barriers removed on the future of work, how technology can enable these, especially in these fields to shift as well. Because, you know, you think about, for example, you take automation. Um, how can automation help with someone who's working as an electrician or someone who's helping uh, working within plumbing? Because you may be able to kind of simplify or make things a lot more efficient, but there's going to be there's going to be a need for expert plumbers to understand the technology as well. And that might be a whole new field in itself, because then you might end up advising plumbing con companies. <laughs> 
For sure. So uh, I, I guess what, what I took from that is uh, stay tuned. <laughs> Make sure that, that you have the flexibility and the adaptability to right. kind of see uh, wh where where the puck is going, so to speak, uh, and, and kind of make yourself um, able to kind of adapt to new technologies, new environments, new new work cultures and, and um, structures and, and people uh, along the way. And uh, just be mindful and, and respectful of the people who might wish for uh, how it was back in the day, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Because change can be quite difficult for, for folks, uh, but kind of making sure that, that people ha have the tools and, and everything they need to be on, on the journey uh, so that they can uh, get to whatever the future work uh, has in store for us. So uh, thanks so much, Brian, for engaging in the conversation and hopefully folks took some um, tidbits and, and useful tips in regards to like different ways that their, their future and their work could, could be different uh, from where they were in, in school all the way up until like uh, post-COVID, what that might look like uh, as well. So, so thanks so That's much right. for the conversation and hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. That's great. Thanks for having me, Lukey. I'm excited for the journey that we're all going to be on. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.